You're listening to Just One of the Guys, a Green Lantern podcast, as opposed to Just One of the Guys, a 1980s movies podcast. Sorry, William Zabka fans. Welcome to Just One of the Guys, a Green Lantern podcast. My name is Sean Ingle, and I'm going to be your host for the next, oh, 100 or so episodes, where I'm going to be covering the Green Lantern comics from, oh, around 1990 until 2004. You may ask, why am I covering these comics when right now there are plenty of GL comics out, and a couple of really great GL podcasts out there covering those comics? Well, for me... This is the era when Green Lantern was really firing on all cylinders. You had great characters, a great story arc, great artwork, and a great creative team who was trying to bring you some new and interesting concepts, especially when they get up to the 50s in the issue where they brought on the character of Kyle Rayner. Now, Kyle was an interesting character. In fact, he was more in the veins of a Spider-Man type hero who sort of inherited his powers rather than getting them through his own means. This really made him one of the most interesting characters in the comic, and I think one of the most interesting characters in the DC Universe. Unfortunately, over the past, oh, however many years, he's kind of been marginalized and looked down on, and I wanted to go take a look at his series and, uh, you know, give it another try, and try and prove to some people that he's not really the character that should be overlooked, or he should be more of the spotlight, and... It's really disappointing, you know, that the current DC comic industry has decided to sort of throw the legacy characters by the wayside. Both Kyle and Wally West, the former Flash, have really been diminished in the new DC universe. Uh, Right now, I think even uh, Wally West doesn't really exist, which is incredibly sad for those who were collecting the Wally West series in the uh, 90s and beyond. It makes me feel that DC has a sort of short-sightedness right now, that they're not willing to take a look at their past and and find the really good parts of it. They seem to just want to forge on their future with using characters from the past and put them in new, sometimes really ridiculous situations. That being said, I'm not wholly disappointed that they brought back the characters of Barry Allen and Hal Jordan, but... It really does a disservice to the characters that they had built up through the 90s, the Wally West and Kyle Rayner again, that really took their places and took the stories in a whole new different direction. This podcast is also going to focus on my favorite Green Lantern character, Guy Gardner. Now, Guy is kind of a misunderstood character. In the Justice League Unlimited series, he was really portrayed as kind of a giant tool. 
if you've listened to my promo, you probably realize that there's a lot of people out there on the internet who basically consider Guy to be a giant douchebag. Well, he is, but he's a likable douchebag. And he's an interesting character that if you actually got to read a lot of his solo stuff, you probably would have some different opinions on him. And that's one of the things I'm also going to be focusing on, aside from the Green Lantern books, is the Guy Gardner solo run. Now, a lot of people have some negative things to say about this, but there are really some great issues in that. And plus, even though it is a 90s comic, and it does have that sort of feel of being the anti-hero, hyper-violent, ridiculous, over-the-top type book, it is a lot of fun. Plus, there's a story arc in there that's written by Chuck Dixon and drawn by the awesome Joe Staten called Yesterday's Sins, which basically fleshes out the Guy Gardner character and gives him more of a background that you can relate to. With this knowledge, you can really understand why being selected as the second-string Green Lantern really set up the negative aspects of Guy Gardner's character. Once we hit the Emerald Twilight saga in the Green Lantern books, we'll also be following Guy Gardner into a new and kind of weird era as well as he developed alien powers and became a tattooed super weapon who could fire bolts of energy out of his hand. This definitely veered from the sort of Green Lantern-like storytelling that was going on in the Guy Gardner books, but it was written by Bo Smith, and it developed the character a lot more, and it was really an interesting run. I know a lot of people probably didn't pick it up. I did till the end, and I really enjoyed the comic, so I'm hoping that I'm going to be able to through this podcast, show my opinions and feelings on the book, and kind of give you a new impression of the two characters. So, why don't I tell you a little bit about myself? Not that you were asking, but I thought it'd be a good setup for the show anyway. My name's Sean Ingle. I'm a husband, father of two wonderful little girls. I live in Oklahoma. That's about all you need to know as I'm not a private man, but I really don't want people showing up on my doorstep going, you know, your Guy Gardner podcast sucks, and you should stop talking on the internet. I will openly admit that I just turned 42 years old, and I know in the podcast industry, that makes me pretty much grandpa. So while I'm effectively telling all these younger podcasters to get the hell off my lawn... I'm also going to openly and freely admit that I don't have the comics collecting experience like some of the other podcasters that I love to listen to do. However, I do have a love for these characters and for this run, and I'm hoping throughout the the show I will be able to bring forth that love and interest to you in an entertaining and hopefully comedic way, because that's one of the things that I think comics are missing right now. They're missing fun. They're missing things that you can actually look at and smile. Comics have become too dark, in my opinion, and I really long for the day when you could go to the comic book store with your kid and pick up a DC comic and not have to worry about them seeing some girl in clothing that is so revealing that it wouldn't even be appropriate in a strip joint or violence so horrific that it would make, you know, Wes Craven go, hey, you shouldn't do that. But I'm going to take a quick break. 
I'm going to play some promos for some podcasts that I love, and I think you would too. And then when I get back, I'm going to do my review of the first issue of the 1990 series of Green Lantern. So, come back here in a second, and we'll get this done. Hey, kids! Comics! Hey, Michael! Yes? We have to record a promo for our podcast. I've got one. Read our podcast. Read our podcast. You do know this is an audio medium? Watch our podcast. Well, you can watch podcasts, but not ours, because let's face it, we've got faces for radio. Um, no, wait, I've got it. Give me a second, right? What? Just listen to our podcast. Listen to our podcast. That's snappy. It's short, sweet. I'm liking it. It's good. It's great. Not exactly telling people what our podcast's about, though, is it? We read comics. We read comics. That's true. That's good. Liking it. Liking this pitch. Carry on. Right. We talk about comics. We do. We talk about comics. We read comics, and then we talk about them, because we can't talk about them before we read them. Excellent. Keep going. And then we sing badly. Yes, well, badly is purely subjective. But how many other comic book podcasts do you know where people sing? Ages comics every Thursday at aplayland.podomatic.com. Wow, hello there, lovely ladies. May I just say that you look quite beautiful in your matching slave layer metal bikinis. You have permission to come aboard my den of nerd erotica. Some people would call it my mom's garage. I call it 10.1 forward. Can I interest you in a death stick? Nope. I was just kidding. Have a shot of trying it. Once you get loosened up, we can play a friendly game of strip fizzbin. Let me loosen that strap. Hey suckers, more Clawhammer here, okay? You want your freaking Star Wars? I got your Star Wars right here! What about the Star Trek? You like that shit too, right? Right? That's what I thought. Well, we got that and we got more freaking comics than you can read in your entire miserable goddamn life. Hey, there's even a girl who talks about unicorns and goddamn Harry Potter and M... 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 Them goddamn Oriental cartoons with the big eyes. So you get your ass over to the Two True Freaks podcast at twotruefreaks.libsyn.com. That's spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N, alright? Alright? Good. You can get there on the internet and choose from hundreds of quality Two True Freaks podcasts. And would it kill you to buy a goddamn t-shirt? Remember, Two True Freaks. Two True Freaks. Two True Freaks. Two True Freaks. Lancers, I've called you here to this unprecedented gathering because we face an unprecedented danger. An enemy we don't yet fully understand. It was for this moment that we were created, but I don't need to tell you your duty. I don't need to tell you who we are. Chosen by the Mystic Guardians of the Universe. Recruited from across the galaxy for their bravery and courage. 
the best and brightest join to fulfill a solemn oath. In brightest day. In blackest night. No evil shall escape my sight. Let those who worship evil's might beware my power. Green Lantern's Light. Green Lantern's Light, a monthly podcast covering the adventures of Hal Jordan, John Stewart, Guy Gardner, and the entire Green Lantern Corps from 1984 through today. Say the oath. Join the Corps. Green Lantern's Light. Available monthly at GreenLanternsLight.com I couldn't believe he was really dead. I didn't know what I could say to you. Yes, child, we know, we know. I was there. I watched him fight that thing. I watched him die. I didn't do anything but watch him die. Oh, as slow as now, listen... It's not your fault. You did all you could. Everyone did everything they could. Now you've got to get on with your life. We all have. The battle is over. A hero has fallen. Miss Lane, I monitored Superman when I arrived. I cannot pick up any brain activity at all. As the city mourns, a family comes to grips with the loss of their son. <sighs> I keep coming back here to the North Pasture, to where he first came into our lives, to say goodbye. His fellow heroes feel regret. Oh, if only I could have helped him, Lex. While his enemies see opportunity. Well, now I'm back on top. And you can't do one blessed thing about it. You're dead. You're nothing. Metropolis is mine again. And you are an empty, lifeless, withering husk. Worst of all, his true love has to learn to live without him. Goodbye. Kal-El. This January, from Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast presented by SupermanHomepage.com and SupermanPodcastNetwork.com begin their coverage of the second part of the Death and Return of Superman trilogy. Every Thursday, you are invited to join hosts Michael Bailey and Jeffrey Taylor as they explore how his friends, loved ones, bitter enemies, and fellow heroes deal with the loss of the Man of Steel. A city in mourning. A world without Superman. A funeral for a friend. And we're back. I hope you guys enjoyed those promos. I really enjoy the shows. A lot of the people that... I promote on the show are people that I've done podcasts with or talked with on the internet, and I really enjoy the people, and I really enjoy the shows. It's good stuff. You should check all of these out.
But let's go ahead and get down to the issue. The first issue of Green Lantern number one was cover dated June 1990. The title was Down to Earth. The writer was Gerard Jones. The penciler was Pat Broderick. The inker was Bruce Patterson. Letterer was Albert de Guzman. Colorist was Anthony Tolan. The assistant editor was Kevin Dooley. And the editor was Andy Helfer. The story begins with a lone man, clad in a leather jacket, looking introspectively across what appears to be the Grand Canyon. Keep note of this. After finishing his inner monologue about his life, he calmly walks to the edge of the plateau, and Swan dives to the canyon floor. Rather than ending up pink Jackson Pollock painting at the bottom of the canyon, the man transforms into Green Lantern Hal Jordan, pulling out of the nosedive at the last second and scaring the bejesus out of some unsuspecting campers. We then cut to the headquarters of the Justice League International in New York, where an excited Oberon, Batman, Blue Beetle, Fire and Ice warmly greet Hal and ask him if he's going to be joining the group. Hal comments that the League already have a Green Lantern, namely one Guy Gardner, who overhears the clamor about Hal and comes down to confront him. Guy razzes Hal for skipping out on the League, thinking that Hal feels that he's too good for them. And after some obnoxious ring-created bunny ears placed on Hal's head by Guy, Hal storms off. But before he can go, Batman catches Hal and confronts him about why he won't join. Hal mentions that he's let the ring define him for too long, and now he wants to define himself as only a man. Meanwhile, news reports of horror and violence stream across the screen, as they are wont to do, as an onlooking man wrestles with his conscience about what he could do to stop it. But Jon Stewart knows that the Green Lantern isn't able to save everyone as he tries to deny the fact that he allowed even greater tragedies to occur. Next we see Hal, walking the road all Bruce Banner style, musing about his days as a hero. He hops a train, hobo style, and starts to dream of people thanking him for his help. And then he gets unceremoniously tossed off the train once it reaches the station. He then hitches a ride with Redneck Santa to Hope Springs, a place where he hits up the local hot widow for a job, where he can probably get some food to eat and a place to sleep. And, of course, just only that. Food to eat and a place to sleep. Yeah. Cut back to Jon Stewart, shouting to the sky about the mistakes he has made as a Green Lantern. He knows his only resolution would be to confront the remaining Guardian on Oa. Getting back to Hal, who has decided to go shirtless for the scene, ladies, we see him and Hot Widow Mom doing some chores, which eventually lead to one of the most suggestive panels in the book. Later that night, Hal and Toby, Hot Widow Mom's son, spend some time looking at the stars, until Hot Widow Mom calls him in for bedtime, scolding him for listening to Hal talk nonsense about people on other planets. Hal invites Hot Widow Mom to look at the stars herself as he tries to show her the Big Dipper. At the same time, Hal tries to show her his Big Dipper, if you know what I mean, and I think you do. Hot Widow Mom hears her son call her, and Hal hits off to take a cold shower and have some, quote, alone time. Finally, Jon Stewart has reached Oa, not the once great home of the Green Lantern Corps, but now a rubble-strewn wasteland, a 
upon investigation of one of the caves on the planet's surface, John finds a lone alien, presumably murdered. The next day, after some supposed off-panel stress relief, Shirtless Hal is back to digging holes when Guy Gardner shows up and questions why Hal isn't doing what a Green Lantern really should be doing. Hal and Guy get into a ring-powered version of Over the Top, and just as the arm wrestling begins, Hal vanishes his construct, causing Guy to fall face-first in the dirt. Just as Hal and Guy look like they're going to throw down, Hal sees Hot Widow Mom, now, finally at the end of the issue, named to be Rose, and Toby looking on in shock. Rose scolds Hal for not telling her what he was, and storms off back to her home as a amused Guy Gardner flies back to New York to await Hal's return. Knowing that Rose will never trust him, and that he's also probably lost any chance to quote-unquote hit that, Hal heads off to walk the highways as the sad Incredible Hulk music plays in the background. Well, let's go on with some notes for the comics. Let me start off uh, talking a bit about the creative team with the book. Gerard Jones, in my opinion, is the Jeff Johns of the 1990s. Now, let me qualify that for you who have kind of a negative opinion of Jeff Johns. I'm saying he's the Jeff Johns of the 90s because he writes good stories about a character that I believe he really loves. Gerard Jones was part of the Green Lantern books and the accompanying Guy Gardner books for a really long time. He knew the characters, he loved the characters, wrote them really well, and he really brought a new life to these characters who've been around for a long time. And he brought them into the 90s, a very turbulent time in comics, and made them relevant and made them interesting and didn't fall into all of the ridiculous tropes that you know, most characters fell into in the 90s. The book is also helped by amazing artwork by Pat Broderick. Broderick has a very classic style that, again, even though it is set in the 90s, isn't very 90s. It's not big breast, big shoulder pads, you know, guns all over the place. It's a very clean sort of 70s style like what you'd see with artists like Garcia Lopez or George Perez. It's a very classic style. I really like it, and it suits the comic really well. But with those opinions out of the way, I'll start in on my notes. Uh, let's start with page three, the opening splash page. It's uh, really kind of neat. Hal did his little swan dive, and he even does a jackknife and you know flies down to what looks like, as I said before, the uh, floor of the Grand Canyon. Of course, here we see Hal being the giant douche instead of Guy by basically freaking freaking out these three campers. I mean, they're suddenly watching this guy plummeting into the earth, and then suddenly, boom, he turns into this green superhero and flies off. Obviously, their camping trip is ruined. Page 4, panel 3, we get the shot at the Justice League headquarters, and we see a very unusual Batman from what we'll see today. He's cordial. He's actually kind of friendly. In fact, you know, at the bottom of the page, you actually see Batman kind of grinning. This is the Batman that I like. 
I'm certain there are a bunch of people out there who love the Nolan films and think Batman Who talks in a voice that sounds like he's been gargling with razor blades for the past 17 years. Really enjoy that. I, however, am one of the person who's more enamored with the Kevin Conroy idea of Batman, and this is one that more readily plays into the comics of this era. Heading to page 4, panel 7, it looks like fire is totally hitting on Hal, and if you look at the artistic rendering that Broderick does on her, it looks like she might be a little bit more than happy to see him. Yeah, there's something going on downstairs. And the panel isn't enhanced in any way by Oberon holding up his hand right around crotch level at Hal Jordan. So, altogether a bit awkward greeting for Hal at the Justice League Embassy. Page 5, panels 3 and 6. It looks like they've got a little coloring error. Uh, It looks like Guy's eyebrows are colored black instead of the traditional red, which goes along with his obnoxiously bowl-shaped cut red hair. And now on page 6, we're back to the red eyebrows. So just a little coloring error. Something to pick about, but nothing really major. Uh, Page 7, panel 5. I've noticed that Hal's Green Lantern costume is ring-generated. Guy's doesn't seem to be ring-generated, you know, at least in these initial issues. You'll notice in later issues that he, his costume, if he takes his ring off, his costume doesn't disappear. So, you know, inconsistencies, minor, but something to note. Page 8. John just sometimes needs to turn off CNN and realize that the world, there's a world outside. Looking at these panels, I'm reminded of a skit by a com- favorite comedian of mine, Bill Hicks, who's talking about CNN, and the skit goes something like this. You know my problem? I watch too much news. I don't know if you've ever, ever, ever sat and watched CNN longer than, say, 20 hours in one day. <laughs> I've got to cut that out. You ever watch CNN headline news for any length of time? It's the most depressing thing you will ever do. War, famine, death, AIDS, homeless, recession, depression. War, famine, death, AIDS. Then you look out your window, it's just... Yeah, I guess we can be excited that John didn't have MSNBC at the time. Otherwise, he truly, truly would have gone insane. Page 11, panel 5. Redneck Santa! Woohoo! Redneck Santa! Shout out to Scott Gardner at the Two True Freaks podcast and his love of Redneck Santa. Page 13. Amazingly, Hal stumbles into town finds, and he finds some work where he can be shirtless around some hot widow mom. Wow. What are the odds? At least Hal's status as the regular Lothario of the DC Universe has not changed since the Silver Age. Page 14, we get a nice shot of angry black guy John Stewart. I didn't know that we had suddenly jumped back into 1970s comic book storytelling, but we have to have one moment every once in a while. Page 15, panel 7. This was the suggested panel that I mentioned in the synopsis. Let me see if I can set this up for you. On the right-hand side of the panel is a shirtless, beefy, 
hairy-chested Hal Jordan standing only in his very, very tight, what I'm assuming to be, for the time period, 501 jeans, with his hands sort of to his side, looking like they're about to cup something. In front of him bends over Hot Widow Mom, whose name we still don't know, and it looks like Hal's getting ready to take a little action of his own with the Hot Widow Mom. I didn't notice it when I first saw it, but rereading it, yeah, it looks like some things are going to happen there that probably shouldn't be happening, especially not in what's essentially a kid's comic. Page 16, panel 5, it looks like Hot Widow's mom, Fundamentalist Dogma, has finally reared its ugly head. Yeah, it does get a bit preachy, but not so much as to completely turn you off the story. Page 17, panel 4. Hal tries his smooth lady moves on Hot Widow Mom. And on panel 8, he gets summarily cocked-blocked by little Toby. Thanks, Toby. You ruined my chance for scoring with your Hot Widow Mom. Page 18, we see John finally getting to Oa. And Oa's in a pretty bad state. The main battery looks like it's completely trashed. The uh, whole cityscape is basically a bunch of rubble, and as John goes to investigate one of the caves, he witnesses a dead body of what looks to be a big sort of gray-headed... Well, imagine a gray alien, except sort of pink and yellow, wearing what looks to be a wife beater. It's kind of odd, but I guess this is a character that uh, stayed behind on... Oh, when the Guardians went with the Zamorans to, uh, well, basically to do the intergalactic horizontal mambo. I'm pretty certain the issues that tell this story arc will probably be covered by the guys over at Green Lantern's Light. So definitely go check out that podcast if you want to get an idea of what was going on prior to this. Page 19, panel 3, we see Guy Gardner floating there, all Burt Reynolds Playboy style. Thankfully, Guy has clothes on, and he's not wearing a hat over his nether regions. Page 21, panel 2. We see that, once again, Hal Jordan can be just as big a douche as Guy when he lets his little arm-wrestling construct just fall to the wayside, causing Guy to smash headfirst into the dirt. Page 22, panel 2. Finally, Hot Widow Mom gets a name, and it's Rose. Well... Who said that the Green Lantern books weren't all about feminism? Oh, wait. No one said the books were about feminism. That's fine. And lastly, on page 23, panel 4, Rose finally admits that despite her trust of anything that's not found in the King James Version of the Bible, she would definitely like to get a taste of Jordan Almonds, if you know what I mean. Well, for a first issue, it did have its little missteps, the coloring problems, and you know the fact that they couldn't really get to characters' names until the very end of it. But all in all, this is a great setup for a great comic series. You introduce all the characters in interesting ways. You hint at you know what their motivations are, and you get to see the beginning of their character arcs. The artwork is really phenomenal. The characters are distinct. The characters all have a different physicality, so they're not falling into that trope of the 90s characters where everyone pretty much looks the same. You couldn't really tell them apart unless you had a scorecard. I'm looking at you, X-Men. 
and even the backgrounds are really nice. We've got a lot of scenic vistas, uh, views of you know mountains, trees. It's it's really detailed and really nice. And I I think this is how you start out a comic book for a first issue, especially if you're bringing back characters that have a long run all the way back to the Silver Age. So there we go. You know my first podcast. Uh, well, my first solo podcast. And the first episode of Just One of the Guys. I hope you guys enjoyed it, and I hope you guys will join me back here, oh, probably next week, for another episode. Take care, folks. We'll see you around on the internets. You've been listening to Just One of the Guys, a Green Lantern podcast, hosted by yours truly, Sean Eagle. All images, stories, and music are copyright their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. This podcast is done solely out of my desire to show the denizens of the internet that comic books can be fun, humorous, compelling, thought-provoking, and exciting, while not having to fall into the weary tropes of the 1990s. I'm not in any way doing this for monetary gain, which irritates my wife to no end. All feedback for the show can be sent to the show's Gmail account at justoneoftheguyspodcast.gmail.com. All feedback, positive and negative, is warmly welcomed. All spam bots are warmly welcomed too, as long as your definition of a warm welcome is for them to die horribly in a fire. The website address for the show can be found at just one of the guys, all one word, dot libsyn, spelled L I B S Y N, dot com. There you can find the RSS feed as well as scans of the covers and whatever else I can try to put up. You can search me on Facebook. I mean, you won't find me there because I don't have an account there, but if you have enough free time to listen to me babble on about funny book characters, you can obviously spare some time to wander around Facebook. Thanks for downloading and listening, and come back next time for another episode of Just One of the Guys, a Green Lantern podcast.